This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ludwig Göransson isn't a stranger to the power music can play in film. He's the composer behind the blockbuster Black Panther series. The Rocky spinoffs Creed 1 and 2. And Christopher Nolan's 2020 time-bending spy thriller, Tenet. Now he's back with another Nolan collaboration, Oppenheimer. It's part character study, part thriller, part historical drama that tells the life story of the father of the atomic bomb. After the break, he joins us to talk about the soundtrack and his other work and what the right soundtrack can add to movies. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back with more after this short break. Stay with us. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit teledochealth.com slash what's your why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C health slash what's your why. With NPR Plus, there's more to hear, like extended interviews with some of the experts we talk to at Planet Money and The Indicator. It's a mistake for economists to only think about economic efficiency when considering policies because you'll actually wind up with a worse outcome. And with NPR Plus, you help keep NPR going. Learn more at plus.npr.org. Let's get into our conversation about the Oppenheimer soundtrack with Ludwig Göransson. He joins us from Sweden. Ludwig, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. How did you become a part of Oppenheimer? Yeah, so I worked with Chris Nolan previously on Tenet. So after Tenet, we kept in touch. We saw movies. We talked about music. But he's kind of a little secret secretive of him how you know he doesn't really say what he's working on so i kind of got that phone call out of the blue one day he's like hey you want to come by tomorrow and, and read the script for my new film and so that that's that was my in on that when and where does your scoring process begin because you, you read the script and mm-hmm. I, i'm assuming at that point you say yeah i'm interested or no but when <laughs> do you also start to think about what the music needs to sound like well, it starts right there. It starts when I'm in that room reading the script. And, and honestly, like when I read that, I was it was a jaw-dropping moment for me because I never read anything like that from, from one man's point of view. Um, and I immediately just understood that that's what the music needs to do. You need to, The music needs to put the audience in his shoes, in his mind, and see the movie and experience the movie through, through, his, through his eyes. So I started at that moment. And literally the day after we had... Our, our meeting and I read the script, that's when I started um, started the experimentations and started figuring out what the sound world of Oppenheimer would be. And that was about three months before they started shooting the film. So I had regular meetings with, with Chris about once a week when we talked about the music and I started writing it. You, you call it a sound world. 
what what's contained mm-hmm. within that world well it's it's since this movie is all it's all music that's embodying oppenheimer so it's it's his mind and it's his heart and it's his uh brain so and it's a very complex character mm-hmm. so so the emotional spectrum that we need to fill with music is is a pretty large one to fill um and Chris only gave me one idea in the beginning, which was uh, to use the, the violin as as the heartbeat of Oppenheimer and to use that sound as a starting point. Well, I want to play some music from the score now. And we should note the soundtrack doesn't come out until tomorrow. So thanks for sharing this with us. That's Can You Hear the Music from Oppenheimer, composed by our guest, Ludwig Göransson. In, in the movie, we watch Oppenheimer battling the chaos in, in his mind. And many of those scenes take place without dialogue. We're just really seeing what's happening in his brain. And it makes me wonder about the role the actor, in this case played by Cillian Murphy, and the way he performs Oppenheimer, whether that plays a role in the way you score the film. Absolutely. I mean, his his he's delivering a, a performance. I would it feels like more than human to me. It's 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 incredible. And and as and as I said earlier, there's there's so many not just images of him, but also what's going on inside of his mind. Mm-hmm. And that's where we kind of need to combine what he sees and what's going on in his mind. The music needs to channel all that. And what we heard now is 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 from early on in the movie when you see these images in his head of these swirling spinning atoms mm-hmm. and and Chris showed me a, a visual effects test of of these um spinning atoms fairly early on in 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 the process and that was such a captivating visual elements i was sitting in an IMAX theater seeing this in and on and all the visual effects it's all done analog there's no cgi really which makes well, yeah which makes it feel timeless you know i don't know if it was the past the present or the future and 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 essentially that's what i wanted the, the music to sound like yeah and killian murphy does does an amazing job in that role of oppenheimer the way you're describing this process it it makes me wonder whether your composition process was a linear one because we watch Oppenheimer and and the people around him undergo undergo major challenges and changes as they're trying to develop the atomic bomb but also interpersonally so mm-hmm. so were you writing in a linear way to capture the way these characters change over time yeah, and that, that's that's one of the greatest great things about working with Chris Nolan because he gets me involved so early in the process. So so we're I'm I'm writing most of the music and the themes before they shot the film, and you know, and that's a way for me to just focus on the the music and the story. Um, and so when so when he take off takes off to shoot the film, he already has about two hours of music written, and he's re- listening to that while he's shooting it. 
and then he starts cutting with that when they have the first director's cut he and editor jennifer lames you know spends a couple of weeks editing the movie and they put that existing music already in the first cut so when we screen the movie for the first time i'm seeing it for the first time and there's already my music in there and then of course there's four months of a lot of work to do but but that's that's a great way to work how much input do you have into where the music is placed in the film oh it's 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 you know chris has a, he's a he has a crystal clear image of what he wants and what he wants the music to do and and but it's also extremely open to collaboration so it's it's constantly a back and forth you know what what kind of music and what feelings and and so so it's 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 a great collaboration mm-hmm. how much does your work change from that original composition that original sound world you create when you read the script for the first mm-hmm. time um to what we what we see when we go see the the movie in theaters it's it's quite a big difference, I'd say. I mean, the 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 core is is already there, and that's what's what was so important with this film in particular because we I knew I wanted the the to focus most of my attention to the emotional core of the story, and then later on I knew if we had that, it would be easier to sprinkle in the 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 modern elements like the modern production and synthesizers. And in this case, I feel like the those elements are kind of foreshadowing the the impending doom. I was particularly interested in the use of percussion and natural sound in yes. the score um, because there are scenes when it's difficult to tell where the music begins and mm-hmm. when the sound around Oppenheimer begins because it sort of melds together. Can you can you explain that process? Exactly. It's, it's a good question because... Early on, Chris and I, we were talking about not having any drums for for Oppenheimer. We were because we didn't want to give him any of that kind of military feel, um, and so there's there's actually no drums in the score at all. Really, because there is percussion, yeah. though. I, I hear percussion. <laughs> there's a there's a small sense of sound design percussion where I'm using it. It's 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 particularly in the moment where they're getting ready for the Trinity test, and there's like this little ticking. That's the first time we hear a little ticking sound, um, and that's a big shift in the music because because before that, you know. It's all been kind of science and it's all been scribbles and notes and theories and stuff. But but when you go into that moment in the middle of the movie, the second act, which is, you know, fantastic. And but the music takes a big shift and you switch from this kind of romantic orchestral sound to just this like very intimate and, and eerie, haunting uh, sound designy elements. And there's this little metal ticking sound that feels like you're almost like about to hit, touch the bomb. I would love to know how you decide which films you want to work on because this is this the music here is so intricate. I can only imagine what the sheet music <laughs> looks like. I can only imagine. But how do you decide that this is a project you want to take on? You know, it, when it comes down to it, is it's just it just needs to be with the with the right people. You know, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to to have some incredible artists that I collaborate with, and and you know, I had. I mean, <laughs> For me, just I just need to work on things. I want to work on things where I'm getting something back. You know, I put so much time and effort into it, and and I feel like I want to get something back. And and both on Tenet and Oppenheimer, those two incredible experiences where I put a lot of work in, but it's so rewarding when when you when when you're done, and also during the process because I'm enriched as both the, as a, as a composer and 
but also on a personal level. Well, as you said, Christopher Nolan had early ideas about the score. The film score grew very organically, very gradually from the smallest elements. And I had no preconceptions about the music for the film. Sometimes you have an idea for the soundscape of the world, the rhythm of it, and sometimes you don't. And in this case, all I had that I gave Ludwig was the idea of basing the score on the violin. So as we said, this film is about physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer. How much did you know about him before you joined the project? Well, I knew his name, and I knew who he was, and I knew about the Manhattan Project, but I grew up in Sweden, so I didn't have exactly the same kind of uh, maybe emotional or history knowledge that probably people do here in the States, but, but I definitely knew about him. We asked you for your favorite movie soundtracks, and here's some of what you had to say. One of my favorite movie scores of all time has to be Portals by Alan Silvestri, which was featured on Avengers Endgame. My favorite movie score would have to be the score to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I could not decide between the three of them. There is no way you could make me do that. The James Bond soundtrack is so iconic, but I love that in the movie Casino Royale, you don't hear it until the very end when he becomes the James Bond we know. It might get overused a lot, but I'm just constantly a big fan of the variety of songs and soundtracks that they use in the MCU. Every single time I get goosebumps when I hear the score in the film and when I hear it studying and things like that. They are just flawlessly composed from start to finish from Fellowship of the Ring all the way to Return of the King. I love them so much, I actually walk down the aisle to them. Lauren, Matt, Jen, and Sebastian, thank you for sharing your stories with us. A member of the 1A Text Club sent this, I would love to hear about Ludwig's career path. I knew his name from The Mandalorian and about fell out of my chair when I saw it in the opening credits of A New Girl rewatch. Now, your first job as a composer was working on the TV sitcom community. You also work as a music producer. Where did you get started? Uh, well, I guess started from way back in, in the days, obviously, with, with growing up with music. My dad was a guitar teacher. And so I was always interested in music and writing music was was the most important part of that. And um, I got into jazz, I got into classical music, and then I moved, made the move from Stockholm to L.A. when I was about 22. And I um, studied at USC. That's where I met Ryan Coogler, who I started working with as a student, scoring his, his short films and then obviously on to, you know, these big films that we do now. And uh, and also my first job uh, was as an assistant for an established incredible film composer, his name is Theodore Shapiro. And he uh, recommended me to start working on a show called Community. And that was my first commercial gig. And that was it was it was the best you know gig you can have when you start starting out. And and on that show, I met Donald Glover because he had to record some uh, songs in my studio. And he came onto my studio and we started hanging having fun and like making jokes and we became friends and and then that collaboration started out of that so i started off yeah in in i would say like sitcom in the sitcom world with community new girl happy endings and then you know childish gambino started happening and then ryan did his first uh, feature which was fruitful station Mm -hmm. so childish gambino that's uh, donald glover's uh, stage name when he when he raps and ryan kugler of course is the director of fruitvale station the black panther series and creed what have you learned about the ways music plays a narrative role when you're creating for film well it's 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 interesting because i feel like the people that I work with have a very good ear 
of music and you know for example especially you know with with Oppenheimer having the music being so front center um in in that in that film it's almost it's almost like its own ent- thing it's almost mm-hmm. like its own character um and you know it's it's a very it's a very powerful tool that you know if if you're if you're a good filmmaker you you know how to use it when you are scoring for a movie what guardrails do you give yourself? Are there certain limitations you try to keep in mind? I try to approach every th- every project that I do like it's the first, like I, like something I've never done before. Um, I'm trying to go into it with always in a new way, uh, and with that, I'm saying like it could be for through improvisation, it could be through a new instrument. And I'm always trying to. It's, I always wanted to feel like I'm I'm doing something for the first time, and it's it's difficult. But that's for me the way um, that I feel like it's it that I can make different types of music, and it's that's how I keep my inspiration up. You mentioned that Christopher Nolan wanted the violin to be mm-hmm. a central sound in the score. Do you play violin? No, I I, I don't play violin, but uh, my wife is a violinist, Serena. So how how and, do you do that it, that process of creating the sound the violin is going to make when you when you don't play the instrument? Uh, well, but I just you know I went I went home and and Serena and I went to the studio and we started just experimenting with with the sound of the violin and I think something that was just so interesting with, with the, what Chris wanted to do was how you can take this you know the, the something a really romantic beautiful touch you know a, a slower vibrato and then with that within a split second you can just increase the vibrato and turn it into something neurotic and horrific and kind of go in between those emotions in a quick and interesting way. We're talking to Oscar, Grammy, and Emmy-winning composer Ludwig Gornson. We'll be back with more in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Do you wish stories could unfold over three hours rather than three minutes? You tired of doom scrolling? Trying to find humanity? Or maybe a deeper understanding of why the world is the way it is? Listen to Embedded. NPR's original documentary series. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking to Ludwig Gorenson. He's the award-winning composer behind the new film Oppenheimer. We asked you to tell us about your favorite movie scores. My favorite of all time is the Rocky soundtrack by Bill Conti. From the very first note, it was just 
so exciting and caught your attention and moved the storyline along. I love it, and I also love all of John Williams' soundtracks. I think he is a national treasure, especially the Superman soundtrack. Such good choices there. Ludwig, as we said, you uh, did the scores for the Creed franchise, which are um, sequels to the original Rocky franchise. Did you look for reference points in that original score for Rocky when you were working on Creed? Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I was I obviously studied the score and I was very familiar with the Rocky music. And I would say, I mean, it's I would say it's probably one of the most recognizable Definitely. film themes of all time. Yeah. Um, but I thought when when I started working on that with Ryan Coogler, it was we just it was important because that he wanted to try something new. And that's where we started off. We started off with with just everything just being written for for Creed and for, and for you know and for and for his um, for, for his timeline. And and it wasn't until the very end when we were kind of done with the film and we were like, okay, well, there is a moment where we can put in the original Rocky fanfare. And we were kind of debating about it, and then we tried it, and it was like, this feels really good. Mm. And right, and then. <laughs> And then I remember seeing it when it opened up in 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 the theater, and I went to to ArcLight, and I saw I saw it in a big theater, and then that moment came on, and I saw just grown men just standing up in their seats, just screaming. You know, that was, <laughs> that was a really cool moment. But it but it speaks to the power music in movies has, and the power it has to to elicit this emotional response from us when you think back to your your early days before you became a professional is there a movie music a movie music moment like that for you where you think oh yeah when that music came up i i felt tears well up in my eyes or i got i got goosebumps or i just always think about that moment well there's there's a bunch of those i think especially in those movies from the 80s and 90s uh, when when the score was just taking over so many times and you know especially the, a lot of the spielberg films you know the, the when the bike starts flying in et uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, that was, I would say that that's probably one of the first moments that I recognize, like the power of music. And, and also when you, rec- when, when you watch a movie several times, you know, you start recognizing the theme, you start recognizing the music. And, and, and it was a similar actually moment that happened that I was aware of the, of, of my music. There was, um, I think it was one of the Avengers films when, when they were talking about Wakanda and the music Wakanda started happening mm-hmm. before you saw Wakanda and people were like cheering on. So that was, that was a really cool experience. So, so you have these memories of, of the way move, music moved you in movies, but you're, you're that composer for other people now. How does that feel? <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, no, but it's I'm I'm just so so grateful to be to be working on these movies that I feel are important and I feel means a lot to a lot of people and 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 also I'm, I have the best job in the world and and to be able to write music for these stories that are so incredible you know that are important I think um, couldn't ask for more. Well, you mentioned Black Panther. Let's listen to some of that theme.
did you begin to approach the music for a movie as massive and, and as highly anticipated as Black Panther? Started well off with me reading the script and then having a conversation with Ryan. Um, you know, I was, I was, it was, it was a big movie to, for me to do. And, and, you know, me working with Ryan for so many years, I, I felt the confidence, you know, in him and the trust in him and, and, and also talked about that the only way to do this justice w- would be to, to go to Africa. And, it's, and I went, I went to West Africa, to Senegal and started working with, with these in, in incredible African musicians like Baba Mal and then Masamba Diop who played the talking drum. How common is it for you to get a chance to have that kind of immersive experience when you're trying to create a score for a movie? Um, well, that was kind of an extreme to, to just to go there and spend spend weeks and, and at, at one place like that. And it was it was an incredible um, moment. And but I like to do that for all my projects to start off with with creating our own sounds and our own, you know, my, the own, our own sound world, our own DNA for the for the film. And for Creed, for example, I, I, I spent a couple of days in a boxing gym. You know, recording the the beanbag, recording the jump rope, and then building sound light library out of those sounds. And then for Fruitville Station, we recorded the bar train and used that in the score. So I think it's very important to kind of pick, to try to create a real, unique, immersive world. You have to you have to you have to go there. You have to do something something different. Mm, so I hear what I hear you saying is that it's important to have an understanding of the the sound space a story takes place in. Is that right? I, absolutely. I, I think, especially today, in today's films, I think what you can do with sound design and with music together, and the technology of how you can immerse those, you can make you can make music out of sounds, mm-hmm. and I, you can you can use that and you manipulate everything through a computer, or and take an or- orchestra and put it through different manipulations, like we did for Tenet, you know, reversing it and like coming up with new unique methods into creating something something new, something. Something you haven't been able to do before. Um, it's I mean, important. Are, are there unique challenges then with a film like Oppenheimer, which is a, a historical film? You're not going to be able to mm-hmm. go and watch someone, you know, test an atomic bomb, do the Trinity test, you know. So, so how do you capture that same sense of place and space um, and time when you're working on a film like that? Well, it is a it is a period piece. So I knew I wanted to I wanted to use some of the instrumentation orchestra for the time, but I think with with all the departments on on Chris's on on Oppenheimer, um, like the costume department, the visual effects department, it's it doesn't you know there's no timestamp on it. Like oh, yeah, of course you see these suits, incredible suits that people were could wear at the time, but I could also see people wearing those in the streets today or 20 years from now. So it's not, you know, it's, it's timeless. And I thought that was just very important. And to be able to use the orchestra, but infuse it with synthesizers or modern production and, and also different recording techniques with the orchestra in a way that I, I don't think it's been done before. Mm. I'm curious who you look to as models when it, when it comes to film composition, are, are there particular composers who you say, yeah, their their work really speaks to me. Um, I mean, Ennio Morricone was was just really great with with sounds, production, and orchestra. 
you know, I think John Williams is was obviously an icon, but but he's also coming from a jazz background, like improvisation. And then you have Quincy Jones, who is both a record producer and a film composer and could do anything. So, I mean, those are three names that just came to my mind, but... We got this email. It says, My name is Nikhil, and I am 15 years old. I've always been fascinated by music scores. My top three scores are The Godfather, Interstellar, and No Time to Die. Furthermore, I am a violinist and just set up a YouTube channel. My latest cover is of The Godfather's love theme, and I hope to have paid tribute to such an amazing piece of music. We also heard from Skip, who emails, There are so many composers of film scores who I admire, from Bernard Herrmann to Danny Elfman, but one of my favorites is Maurice Jarre whose rich melodies, warm orchestrations, and creativity always pleased and satisfied me. Perhaps my favorite of his scores is that for the remarkable Sean Connery and Michael Caine adaptation of a Kipling story, The Man Who Would Be King. So we've been talking a lot about your your compositions for films, but you've also worked as a producer for many artists and bands, um, from Adele to Alicia Keys to Haim. You've collaborated, as we said, with Childish Gambino, whose real name is Donald Glover, on all of his albums. And you won a Grammy in 2018 for the song This Is America. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. How does your process as a producer differ from your process as a composer? You know, it's not it's not too different. I'd say, um, you know, you still need to understand the artist's vision, whether it's a it's a music artist or it's a director. You know they have they have this vision. And you're trying to get inside their minds and 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 understand what they're trying what they're trying to achieve and what they're trying to do and and see how you can push it further. Um, I think the biggest difference is that you spend when you work with a with a music artist, you spend a lot of time together. So it's a, it's a different kind of social aspect of it where you 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 sit together and you, you know you're in constant conversation. But with a director, you know they have. 20 other departments to work with. So, so you're, you know, you're part of a, of a bigger, bigger family. There seems to be a lot of personal history with your collaborations. You, you have a relationship with Donald Glover. We mentioned Ryan Coogler. How do the relationships you've built in this industry inform the work you do? Well, it's, it's everything. I think, if, I think relationships are, are, are the most important thing about, the whole creative process, how you can, how, and that's how you can build on something and, 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 and know each other and, and constant pushing each other to, to new ways and, and new worlds. And, and for me, it's, it's been the most, I think I would say the important part of my career. So you've been in this industry now for a good chunk of time. Oppenheimer hits theaters tomorrow, but reviews are already starting to come in and it's, it's getting a lot of acclaim and awards buzz. But that's just one piece of how you can measure the success of your work. How has the way you thought about success changed over time as you continue to be a, a part of Hollywood? Yeah, I would say my thought of success, had, I think because I'm working with the same people, you know, it's it hasn't changed that much. Uh, you know, me, Ryan and I started doing films in my little dorm room at USC and 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 i feel like when we're working we're we're still you know we're still the same kids in that moment that was scoring a 5 minute film and hearing the music and watching the film 
at, at the first time and, and having that enthusiasm and being so, um, you know, is that, is that, it's the same type of, you know, obviously we're working now on the bigger scale, but it's the same type of energy that goes into the, these, these projects. So as we've said, you've won three of the big four entertainment awards, an Emmy, a Grammy and Oscar. So that mm-hmm. for the EGOT that leaves the Tony, <laughs> do yeah. you see a future for yourself in theater? Uh, I don't, I, I, I want to be against it, but I'm not, I'm not actively trying to, trying to go for that. So, but what's great now is this, or for the last five, seven years of what I've been doing, everything is just all the projects is there's always something completely different from the, from the previous. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure something's going to show up, but, but, I don't know if that's going to be theater or a movie or or an album or but I'm open. I mean, is there is there a dream project you think about or you say you know if I maybe there's a specific story or a specific actor you'd like to score around or a director you haven't gotten a chance to to work with yet? Do you have that dream project? Right now, my the I think my my dream project is to try to take take some time to finish my my own music, mm. which. Which will something I've been trying to do for maybe five six years now, and and try to focus on that, and just uh, think about what I, what I want to say. Wait, wait, just give us a little preview of what that might sound like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a little intense and and kind of all over the place musically, but but um, I'm, I'm I'm trying you know, all these ideas that you've tried to do on another project, and you kind of take it back, and and then I'm trying to get it out on my own stuff, so. Okay, well, we will look forward to hearing that when it's all done. That's Ludwig Gorenson. He's an Oscar, Grammy, and Emmy Award-winning composer and music producer. And his latest project is the score for the new film Oppenheimer. That's in theaters Friday. Ludwig, it's been great speaking with you. Thank you. Great speaking to you, too. Thanks for having me. Today's producer was Arfi Getty. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we will talk again soon. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Lisa, in collaboration with West Elm. Discover the new natural hybrid mattress, expertly crafted from natural latex and certified safe foams, designed with your health and the planet in mind. Visit leesa.com to learn more. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR.